This morning's Dharma talk is titled, Complain Once. Complain Once. And of course, you can complain a lot if you want. So this is just an idea that you can contemplate, can think about, can reflect on. It may go a lot deeper. That reflection may go a lot deeper if you have a strong awareness practice, which is sitting down, holding still, and watching the movement of the mind. If you don't do this, you're going you're gonna to believe your thoughts. You're going to believe your emotions. It's not that they're not there. It's just they're not true. They're relatively true, but ultimately not true. If you don't understand what that is, you should check it out. I'll help you. Or not. Or find someone else to help you. Or don't get any help. And probably the chances are, and I'm not a gambler, although I play one in a movie, not very good chances there. Tend to go in circles and in circles. I'm sure you've noticed. The more we are alive, the longer we're alive, the more the circles become kind of irritating. Just over and over. I thought I took care of that. And here it is again. I thought I took care of that. And here it is again. Maybe I should, maybe I should, perhaps, perhaps, perhaps. Not helpful. The repetition of craziness is still pretty crazy. So find your own sanity. Don't believe a word I say. If you're believing my statements, that's not what I'm asking you to do. I don't want any followers at all. I would like you to uh, discover, rediscover, uncover your original sanity. Whether you're a Buddhist or not makes no difference to me at all. That would be your idea. Maybe you need this kind of a glue to glue yourself to a path, a spiritual, non-theistic spiritual path. Maybe you don't. Your business. Your karma. Good luck. As I said earlier, complain once. Complain once. And what do I mean? I'll go into that deeper. Something is wrong. Someone is doing something. Someone is not living up to their your expectations, even their expectations. Something is going in circles somewhere. And because you wanted this to happen and you look over and that's not happening the way you prescribed, understood, predicted, uh, expected. There's a big fat word. I'll talk on that one of these days. Expectations. Extra. You don't need them. Things are going to either occur or not. Complain once. And what I'm saying there is something is wrong. You can say, there. why does that, uh, you know, darn it. <laughs> there it goes again. Or why won't they, why won't I? Why won't? Because if... Because, because if you continue to complain, what that does is just fill up the space that your own intelligence could arise in and see more clearly the dependent origination of that situation. See how that is uncaused, uncompleted, unbegun, unfinished. You're not going to finish anything. Look closely at that. You know, I don't want you to argue with me, but you can look closely at that situation. Because if you continue to complain about it, what it does is it just it gives you a feeling of uh, in the uh, Yogacara tradition uh, or consciousness only, perception only. This is called the seventh consciousness, and the aspect of that seventh consciousness is pride. You're you don't you're not, not you're not making that mistake. They are those guys. They're making the mistake, and to complain about that is to continually fill up the space what we call our wisdom mind, our op an open, generous, completely wise, caring, um, tender-hearted receiving of this crazy world. Start now with what? Your own mind. Start now with your own fear down here. And maybe this will start to show up. 
more prominently. So complain once. I also say apologize once. If you've done something through through error or forgetfulness or whatever, maybe the causes and conditions that arise to create a mistake that creates uh, problems for, for others, apologize once. I'm sorry I did that. I'm sorry I stepped on your foot. My apologies are however the conventional way. Sumasen, uh, they would say in Japan, sumasen. Apologize once. Complain once. Because if you do it more, then it's more about you rather than the situation. The first complaint is actually the relative aspect of that situation where you see it, you don't care for it. It's not what you thought would happen. And it's perfectly appropriate for one in this dimension we call the human realm, the realm of desire, desire for and desire against and desire to look away, desire wanting something else. If you do that, you'll suffer. I'm not accusing you of anything. I'm not condemning you to anything. It just that's how it looked from looking at this for uh, looking at this for 79 years and looking at it very, very di- directly with the help of my teacher teachers for close to 50 years, 40, 47 years or something. So if you apologize once, then you've 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 you've, you've been polite. You apologize, but if you apologize more than that. You're really looking for forgiveness, and forgiveness is not necessary. You don't need to get off the hook for anything. For one thing, you're not really the bl- to blame for anything. Blame is a misunderstanding. It's all over the place. Praise and blame, praise and blame, right and wrong, right and wrong. It's a very, you could say it's a very juvenile way of handling the world, of working with the world. And when I say world, I mean your living room, your backyard, your neighborhood, your city, your state, your community your country, your world, your universe, and on and on, because it doesn't stop there. So if you complain once, then it depends on, there's a lot of relativity in there, who you're complaining to. If you're, if the person over here is the one who caused the issue and you're complaining to um, uh, your, your relative, your friend, your neighbor, your fellow uh, uh, Dharma student or something like that, even that should, should end at the first time. And if it doesn't, then just observe what is going on there. Use your awareness practice to not take another uh, opposition to awareness and shut down on it and say it and lecture yourself and say, oh, there I go complaining again. That's a misunderstanding. If you complain more than once, just observe. Don't count. Just observe what that is and notice as you complain, if you watch the, the, the tiny little uh, couplings and interstices in the way a particular thought uh, shows up. Awareness, awareness, not thought. These aren't more thoughts. These are not more thoughts. You may, uh, a scholar or someone uh, more intelligent than this uh, uh, person might go into the thought pattern about that. I don't do that a little bit, but basically I'm saying there's all kinds of things happen- happening. Uh, a pile of gravel is not a pile of gravel. It's lots of little tiny stones. Look closely. How can you do that? Sit down, hold still, train your mind to see. Don't live another day without spending some time holding still and watching the movement of the mind, all the senses open, in particular the eyes. If you do that, you don't have to be a Buddhist. You don't have to study Buddhism. It would help to do that because that way you don't have to rediscover a lot of things on your own. You can be told by a 2,500-year tradition that says everything is dependently risen. There's no solid, separate thing anywhere. It has no separate existence. It always is existing with everything else in harmony, 
or in disharmony. So the area of uh, going back to the title of the Dharma talk, which is complain once, if you do more than that, it's more, it's about you wanting to, uh, several things could be just you, you're really still really irritated. And if you complain, it takes away from the, the feeling of irritation and puts the, puts the intensity of blame on others as if they had some say so about it. I'm not saying they didn't. I'm not saying they didn't, that they, I'm not saying that someone didn't do something was disrespectful to you or, uh, or lacked really good communication or was a what, pack of lies. Could be anything. But you, but you, me, I, we, we miss our opportunity to fundamentally see what that is. If you, the next time you have complained to someone and you find yourself doing that again, especially we, especially shows up to others, maybe not to you. If this is something you've been complaining about for years and you keep going back to that same scenario 15 years ago when somebody did this or that, or three days ago, that's noticed by others. We're not saying that the others that are noticing it aren't doing their version of that. Of course, then they're doing their version of complaining, which may not be quite as uh, uh, bright red as the one you're remembering uh, when it happens to others. When you're when it's with you, it's more pastel. Have you noticed that? How you can see more clearly how other people's difficulty is more brilliant and shiny than yours. When you look at yours, you softened yours because you, we tend to let ourselves off the hook. In some cases, but then if we see that we're letting ourselves off the hook, then what do we do instead of just uh, being aware of that so there can be some kind of um, prajna, some kind of wisdom mind can begin to uh, flow into that area or surface or be uncovered uh, where there's some kind of upaya or skillful means can happen. Instead, we go the other direction and then we're all upset with ourselves. We're ashamed. We're so sorry that we did. That's just another, another and other kind of self-centeredness that is so sorry for what we did or what we're thinking or what we've said. You all know what I'm talking about. You're listening. Maybe uh, you don't want to hear any more of this. And if you don't, nothing wrong, nothing to adjust or correct. Do whatever you need to do. So those two seem to string up together, the apology part and the blaming part. And we can... I can respond to some questions in that area if you have them. And I can also continue to talk. You have something? We do have questions. Good. From Chazan. He asks, you have said don't hook up your vocal cords. What do we do when the string of complaints is internal? Do nothing with it. Be You could say, if you want a direct question, you could be delighted with that you even have a mind stream to observe. You could actually... Be, gr be grateful that you have a precious human birth where you can experience your life and experience the, the love and hate of others. That you can actually be in this apparent separate reality so you can understand the fundamental nature of wisdom, which is nothing else. You noticed I used this end of the stick to point to instead of the round end. So this means that without having a, an awareness practice, it's hard to do that because it tends to be circular because that's the way the thinking mind works. That's the way we solve problems. We look at something, it's a relative situation. Uh, the table is full of breadcrumbs. We need to clean it off. It's, a, it's very relative. Most of the world is working like that as long as there's a body-mind complex called a human being that has been downloaded out of the universe into this form, uh, then you get to have ideas, opinions, and so on. Not about not getting rid of those, not about getting rid of those, but about seeing that they're only relatively true. So when 
to go back to your question, when you're having that, your mind stream is being flooded with judgments, ideas, opinions uh, about something, and maybe you're not hooking up your vocal cords, you're not really complaining, but it's really irritating you, and it's really difficult, and you want some relief. Well, there's lots of things, depending on who it is in your situation. If you can, go sit and face the wall. You're a monk, so you would hold still. You can also do that. Uh, use that situation as a way of training your mind to see clearly how things move, even when they're really negative. It doesn't matter what's moving. I sometimes say the sky does not care about the clouds. Uh, it doesn't It doesn't miss them. It in fact, and in fiction, it actually allows them to be there. The sky is, in, in essence, the fundamental nature of clouds. Juzan has a question. Yes. He asks, is it more helpful to not complain at all? Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go too far to establish some kind of a really, really important kind of really high-level non-complaining person that everybody admires. You notice how that person never complains. Even though something very difficult happens, they don't, they don't really say too much. They don't complain about it. No. There's a, I didn't say don't complain. The title of the Dharma, uh, the title of the Dharma talk is complain once. So be, keep, keep it in a relative situation. Don't disembody into some kind of ideal God realm. Uh, as a Dharma teacher, I won't let you do that. You give me the opportunity to let you know. This is a completely prag pragmatic and totally transcendent and spiritual at the same time. It's called Advaita, not two. It is not two. They're not kidding. The teachers down through the centuries in any tradition, whatever, whether it's been the indigenous tradition or it's been the, the Hindu tradition or the Buddhist tradition or the Islam or whatever, occasionally a, a teaching person arises who understands what that original founder or that original inspiration to even have a spiritual path is saying. So we don't have to step out of the third grade into the university. Just be where you're at. As Pema Chodron said in the title of her book, never read the book, but it's a good title. Start where you are. I think I might have read it, but I don't recall what it said. Go ahead. Um, Shoto asks, you say that if we apologize more than once, it's more about us. What's happening when we complain more than once? It's about us. It's it's the, the the apology is trying to create a, a a person who's kind of giving our we're getting our identity from the other, which is the primary misunderstanding, thinking there is someone, and we're getting our, our identity. So it's a relative thing that we can be fluffed up by others, be admired, like we all know people who they they would fall over dead if they weren't constantly admired by somebody. And so, uh. What was the question? So I need to refine that a little bit. You say that if we apologize more than once, it's more about us. What's happening when we complain more than once? Yeah, the, the, the complaint is, is a, is a cover-up so that we won't feel, so that irritation, instead of using that irritation about somebody not uh, cleaning the sink after they left or filling the, the water filter or mopping the floor, doing living up to something, you have no idea what the causes and conditions are, are with that. Not that they have an excuse to not do that, but you don't know what they're going through. But it's always about you, isn't it? It's always about you and how you feel about that, how you feel, me, how I feel about that. Train your mind. See that this is, this is a illusion. It is an illusion. Hard one, a hard illusion. See it. Don't give up. 
don't back into any corner of conclusions. The corner of conclusions is, is, is the corner. Everything stops and you continue to be reborn and reborn and reborn, either out of your dreams into this dream or back into your dreams and then back into that other dream, which is without a body, also a dream. And that can go on for 400 years until you come back into the human form again or the mosquito form. And I don't believe any of that. That's why I'm able to say it so clearly. I can take any side of any situation because things don't have sides. <laughs> there, there are no sides. So, so the whole idea of making a decision is uh, out the door, which what, has no hinges. Shall I go on? So that area uh, is a cover-up. It's pride. Uh, if you if you if you scan to see if you have any of the four aspects of the of the, the klesha mind or the the confused mind that we refer to as the seventh consciousness, not the memory consciousness, not the alayavijnana, uh, not the just basic synchronizing consciousness that keeps track of all the sense fields and lets you know that there's one person smelling, the same person is tasting, the same body form as hearing or smelling or uh, thinking. So we want to cover that up. This is called ego or self-centeredness or narcissism. And it's intense. It's really intense. If it's intense, if you see it, and if, you, if you've been covering up, it isn't quite so intense because then you can blame. Then you can be, you can take the very, the very wisdom mind that is starting to look at the irritation that's arising and see there's no one who's irritated. There's just irritation. There's just the irritation. So you're, it's a cover up. It's called pride. And you can't see pride until, until you've seen through pride. You'll never recognize it. I have several students, more than several, who all those issues are showing up in different levels. You have to see it. Shalon has a question. Mm -hmm. How can we know when we complain once that we are not just ignoring what it is we don't like after that? Sheldon, sit a lot. If you sit a lot, then the awareness is, you could say it this way. It's not actually stronger. It's just, there's just less debris around it of me, 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 and my stuff and what I like, what I don't like, and what shouldn't go that way and what should have gone this way. And if people only pay attention, they take care of this problem or that. And at the same time, you, you, not just you, Sheldon, but anybody is dealing with the same situation, doing it in another direction. But, but, but because it is you, you're off the hook. Because you, it's it's pastel rather than bright red, pink, nicer, smoother. Especially if it's along with a really light mint green of jealousy. So look closely. I can say this. I can use words. I give dharma talks. I've given hundreds of them. I can give dharma talks, and they all come out of a different kind of seeing what might be helpful. So we need to use concepts quite a bit in some cases, but that, that, that buying into some kind of a position of being right will cause, if you're complaining about anything, not just, I'm not talking about, here's something I want to cover before I forget it. It's not about stopping the feeling of wanting to complain. That is, that is the rough material of awakening. That stuff that comes up that we want to abandon so that we can complain, we can abandon so that we can blame, we can abandon so we can say, well, it's really happened because of this and this, write a book on philosophy about how things are wrong in your world, which people are doing all over the place. Very little mind training uh, be going on, uh, is going on, but a hell of a lot of mind production. 
everybody's commenting, everybody's writing, everybody's on YouTube, everybody from uh, Jordan Peterson and his daughter to uh, people I won't even mention uh, in the Capitol uh, to to Thich Nhat Hanh, to uh, Krishna uh, Krishna Murti, uh, to um, Emperor of Japan. China. I mean, it's just somebody on YouTube who's trying to teach you how to eat better. <laughs> People are full of it, and s- some of it's relatively is pretty correct, wonderful advice. We're not taking anything away from that. It's just that uh, what I'm uh, saying is very little mind training. So when you when you see something that sparks or triggers. Uh, something where you're irritated with something and there's someone there that you can complain to. It's an open uh, receiver. Uh, and instead of producing out of that, you might want to go in and look at what is being produced out of your karma, out of your reaction to that. That's called a Dharma gate. That's an opening to see the deeper nature of your confusion, of your narcissism. There's all kinds of obvious narcissism around, but the the narcissism that we're hiding out from, hiding away from the world is quite obvious to others around us. So spend some time, a lot of time, spend some time watching what comes up. And if you just, if you complain once, that actually, how do I want to say this? That actually uh, relates to, that way you're not becoming this wonderful person who never complains. So you have, you've complained. You know, that sucks. What in the hell are you doing that for? Or or saying that, did you see what they just did? You see what they keep doing? And then stop. And then use that structure to help you see the polarity. Train your mind. Don't live another day without taking the attitude. I am going to understand this this truth. I'm going to understand the truth of Pratitya Samutpada or dependent origination before this body mind goes back into the elements. All of this right here is won't last. It may last, I don't know why I'm still here for 79 years, but here I am. One more time. This is from Mayun. <laughs> In French? <laughs> <laughs> no, but it could be. Yes. Isn't it preferable to not complain rather than once? No. No, because it's too, uh, by not complaining, we build up a fine patina, a fine silver covering that is very delicate, that we can admire about ourselves when we get in trouble. Don't do it. You don't need that. You can live in an open dimension of being where there is no solid being, no solid self anywhere. Even though you're running into intense confusion, never separate yourself from anything. And so to have, you know, and I could go back to your original question of, well, of course it would be nice to never complain. But but as a as a precept, or as something that we look at, it needs to be observed, not concluded. It's a misunderstanding. My, my teacher, my Zen master, Kobanchina Roshi said, you observe precepts, you don't take them, you observe them. That's the only way they can help you. Because if you're just, if you're just, uh, I'm just gonna do it this way, then it's the ego mind that gets the credit, gets the merit badge, gets the Chevron, you know, Sergeant Major. Someone who's very, very controlled, never complains about anything, never has an evil thought. I'm not mocking you. I'm just saying, be genuine, be, be who you are. And when I say complain once, of course, if it's, if, if you're in a situation and you feel irritated by something, 
then the most important thing for you that for you to do there is to actually experience the irritation without adding anything to it, like why you're being irritated. Because if you need to know, it'll be obvious. But if you if you go through some uh, rationalization or or uh, um, mentation or all the other Asians uh, about that situation, then it comes up as some kind of a issue which you can get ahead of or issue which you're still having trouble with. All pride. Any reference point to who you are and what this is and what you're doing and how well you're doing uh, is uh, ego. And not just to my own, but anyway, I'm just saying be genuine, be uh, generous with yourself. Allow yourself to receive the negativity that comes. And then, of course, if it's very simple, if, if you don't, I'm not saying make yourself complain once. I'm saying if a complaint arises uh, and, and if you can just look at the complaint structure without uh, abandoning that or without um, missing out on the very negativity that is arising in response to that uh, called cause and effect, which is operating in a, in a uh, highly uh, sophisticated, refined, uh, and subtle realm uh, called the mind, called the mind stream, which is happening whether there's a body or not, then, then do that. No more war. But if there's some kind of irritation or you feel some, uh, some impulse to do that, you, you might do that. So that's why I'm saying uh, I'm, I'm basically addressing people who complain all the time, not somebody who, who actually doesn't complain, doesn't say too much about that. I mean, maybe that would be workable, but I wouldn't get too uppity about it because your karma, the karma that rises as you, not just me, but anyone might be softer, more subtle. We all know people who have a right to complain and they just, they just don't. Uh, if they're getting a credential for that, they'll continue to circle just like anyone else. If anytime you say this is happening, therefore I am somebody great. Many Why are you questions. smiling? There are lots of questions. <laughs> uh, Kevin, like Kevin Townley from uh, New York asks, yes. there is a lot of talk about self-forgiveness. Is it ever appropriate to apologize to yourself? No. Thank you for the question. No, you don't need that credential. You don't need it. And I'm not, when I say to you, I'm talking to you, Kevin, and to anyone else who's, who uh, has tuned in, whether they're a student of mine or just happen to drop by. So you don't have to do that. That's a very subtle and highly reformed kind of self-centeredness that is very smooth, very silky. I've forgiven myself. It makes me want to use profanity. But since I'm on YouTube and there's probably very young children watching. <laughs> It's just, when I hear it, it's so, it's such a misunderstanding and it's used everywhere. The whole forgiveness idea is, you know, apologize and, and someone forgives you. It's just a, another kind of, it's just a fancier coach. We're all riding in the same coach of samsara and we sit in there with our, uh, you know, our helmets or our wigs or our patrazebis on top of our head. And we, we congratulate each other on our, on our finesse. You know, I'm very sorry that I did. You know, I, I can understand where you're coming from there. And, and I want to tell you that I forgive you. Again, makes me want to use profanity. It's irritating to me. So I'm complaining. But I get to complain more than once. I can complain all I want. You can. You have questions about that. That would be really good. As I often say, come and get me. You think you understand something more deeply than I do? Probably you do. <laughs> That's why I say, come and get me. I'm always a student. I couldn't do this if I wasn't always a student. Sometimes I'm a really good student. Sometimes I'm not such a good student. I'm not a very good French student. <laughs>
Yes. Wendy has a question. Yes. Is it narcissism to sit with abusive irritation and not complain? If the abuse is coming from someone else, and this is very conditional, it depends on the causes of condition. So maybe and maybe not. And, uh, you know, you would have to look more deeply into it for it to be choiceless. But probably if you're in a, in a if you're in an abusive situation, uh, if you're in the monastery, you should come and talk to the abbot directly. Uh, you might start with the abuse situation if it's another person. And if you're in a, a relationship or a marriage or something like that, not just you, but anybody, don't stay there. You don't, there's no, there's no, uh, uh, there's no, it's not, it's just not helpful to the apparent abuser or to the, what is it called? The abusee or someone who's receiving that crap. Now causes and conditions might show up in such a way that you can't just do that because you, you know, wouldn't have any lunch money. So um, it's a relative thing, but uh, you know, I'm just back out of there as much. If you're, if you're really, if you know, you're really being abused and usually we do, um, and you can, I mean, if you're 12, it's pretty hard to leave home. Uh, if, uh, if you're put just, just by committing a crime, I don't care what it is by committing a crime and the government comes in and locks you up. That's abuse. That's not being respectful of your confusion. That's not helping you. It's treating you like the ancient way of, uh, children should be, uh, seen and not heard. I think it's what I heard, uh, but don't do anything unless you have to. But if, if, if it's abuse, the way you describe it, you might want to be looking for ways to get away from that person or that situation, if it's an abusive situation, whatever it may be, or people or persons. Good question. You don't have to take it. You don't have to take it. Yes. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Uh, this is from uh, Shoshi. He asks, is it possible to take a position on something without taking a position? No, it is not. And if you think it is, <laughs> then you didn't understand what I just said. Your son, Mason, says Takudo Bowie. Takudo. He said, not a question, but watching. All right. Um, Chazan has another question. He says, can our body language be complaining? I think so. Yeah. Just, uh, um, just uh, if you're not aware of what your face is doing, then you need to give talks on YouTube because I'm looking at myself right now. And it's a pretty ugly old man. There. It looks like a complaint, too. <laughs> Probably an arthritic complaint. So, yes, I think so. I'm not saying uh, you need to look at yourself on YouTube or in the mirror or something like that. But I think to be aware of the musculature of the body, the hands, uh, to be aware of the language. I'm very, uh, something I call phrase fillers. Uh, one of them is common one is know what I'm saying, uh, to follow things up with that. And there's other ones I use, whatever. Ones you know, you know. You know, I say, you know, not quite a bit. Not you, but. Pardon me? Everybody uses, you know, you know. You know. Uh, no, uh, and, uh, and, uh, that's another one. And, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, so it's not about, uh, not about getting rid of those. They probably aren't going to go away. And if you get them all cleaned up, I'm not going to be proud of you. So, but to be aware that, you, that those are showing up, that allows you listen to this. This is very important. If you're aware of the negativity that's arising in your mind stream and you're not doing anything with it, then that awareness, because nothing is separate. That awareness of that very negativity that is gripping you that you would like to blame or you'd like to medicate or you'd like to, for that matter, meditate. 
meditation is not a way to get away from suffering. Don't do it. But when that negativity comes up, and I'm going to go back to the phrase filler of, uh, you know what I'm saying, or, uh, you know, or that seems to be the basic point. That's the one Trunk for MPJ used constantly. And they would edit that out of all this, uh, like they edit out my cuss words. Somebody's doing that, I guess. So but what that does is the that that uh, the observing of that negativity without pushing it, pulling it, without accusing yourself, with doing just notice the negativity, the texture of the negativity means there's space in that. You can't have texture without space. It's in, it's, it shows up in all the arts and music. It's a very important aspect of any of music and of visual art and of writing poetry, uh, of building houses. There's a very a very uh, um, mechanical, pragmatic way it works there, but in works of art or artistic production of various kinds, the spatial element is very important. It's almost treated as an object uh, because of its importance. So it's uh, objectified. So when the negativity is shown up and you're not blaming, I mean, maybe, maybe if you just blamed once, that's going to be more uh, uh, just to, to see the negativity arise as so that you're genuine. So you have this negativity, but to go on and on about it is to seal up the wisdom mind. And just to have that come up, what spontaneously you're sitting there, somebody does something, somebody didn't show up on time. Why, when are they going to get a watch? You know, something like that, some kind of complaint. And then that allows you to relate to the, the dependent origination that is coming up through your mind stream that is dependent on every other thought you've ever had, every other thought anybody's ever had. And everything is completely not separate. And to begin to see that, to witness that is, uh, to use the common expression, is mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. And it's completely ordinary. How can something be mind-blowing? And completely ordinary at the same time. I can tell you, because they don't happen in space and time, they are non-occurring. The wisdom nature of the mind is perception only. And I'm sure, and this is described all kinds of different ways. Now, there's, there's, we study it all the time because I, I don't want anybody to miss anything. So we study it. We study uh, a lot. So the way that that shows up actually gives you some entrance into the way the 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 constant uh, other complaints, the layers, the, the the plywood, the laminations of complaints that that take a toll on us as far as seeing our wisdom nature, because we were just entrained by that. It's like getting on a train. I can't get off here. I am on the train, and you know you're going to Utah, whether you like it or not. But that first one, when you that first complaint is like looking at the train. It's like the train that will take you away. So it's called awareness. It's called prajna. It's called wisdom mind. It's called insight. It's called perception. You just perceive it and you don't conclude. And if you do conclude in that first complaint, that's just enough. That that vibration or that quality or that chemistry or that odor, or that fragrance, that any one of the senses, anywhere, any direction is resonating because nothing's separate. That's why I say open your eyes when you meditate, because if you close your eyes, all the other sense fields are doing the same thing. They're going to sleep. I don't care if you your mind, uh, your mind is there getting credit for being peaceful. The, the actual peace is not an experience and it's not a feeling just like wisdom or just like compassion is not a feeling. If you think it is, then you'll continue to uh, be proud of yourself for how compassionate you are. Yes. Jews on has three questions. Certainly. First, are complaints communication? Everything is communication. Yes, it is. 
Second, how is the first complaint not about us? Well, it is about us. We're complaining. And like uh, uh, going back to Mayun, if, you know, if you, if you can sit and look at something and feel the quality of complaining, uh, feeling that you're irritated by something, but you're, you don't need to get rid of that feeling, then you don't have to complain. But if that is intense and you notice, boom, you start complaining to someone, that's the last one. And that way, that the nature of that complaint, when it comes up again, then it can show up as a, as a skillful means in your own body-mind complex, in your own mind stream. You can't do skillful means in the world unless you've made friends with this. If this is giving you trouble uh, in any way, I like it, I don't like it, it's good, it's bad, it should be, it shouldn't be, anyway, then going, it's going to be very difficult for you to be authentic and genuine in relating to the world. Find out who you are. His uh, third question is, how is the first complaint not about escaping our suffering? It is. It is about escaping the suffering, but it's a. It's not about not not trying to get out of suffering. I mean, that would be a fool to go around. The, the Buddha discovered that twenty five hundred years ago. Didn't he go out and stick needles in his feet and sit on hard rocks and torture himself, trying to torture himself into an understanding of what suffering, life of suffering. He came back and reported that to us through his homies. Life of suffering. And he also saw sickness, aging, and death, suffering. And so the the uh, missed part of the question was the that question. How is the first complaint yeah. not about escaping our suffering? It is, but but it's the awareness of escaping the suffering that is that is leading to uh, clarity, is leading to true insight, is is uh, actually prajna. But it's prajna. That kind of prajna doesn't have the credential of a self behind it. If that first instant, as Trump Rinpoche used to say, first thought, best thought, that's because the ego has not uh, uh, got itself together enough to actually get in there and get credit for that. It's still sleeping somewhere. But the wisdom mind is always awake. Nothing ever sleeps. If you think it does, round and around. Pleasure and pain, pleasure and pain. Shoto asked the question, uh, does production stop our training? It can, if there's not awareness of the production, uh, which can show up as j validating the production uh, or thinking that the, the production you do has some kind of uh, credibility because it's this and this and justified by this and this and this. But it's, as I say, I've said thousands of times by now, it's always about awareness, never about what arises in the awareness. What arises in the awareness is not separate. And if you if you grasp, reject, ignore, accept, reject, do anything with what, what happens in awareness, then you're on the turnstile called samsara, called the constant wheel of life and death. And it could take place in 30 seconds and it can take uh, place in 30 centuries. And there's no difference between those. If you think there's a past and a future, handy, I know, but, the, but in actuality, there is not. It just appears that way. It's called relative truth. Seeing that is called, well, I'm not going to go that far. Kiyun has a question. Yes, Kiyun. Is a teacher's response to a student's question dependently arisen? Everything is dependently arisen. Yes, it is. <laughs> you don't think I can do this by myself, do you? <laughs> so, <laughs> Go ahead. So Koen has a question. I know her. Why do you get to complain as much as you want? I get to complain as much as I want. Did she say that? You said that earlier. And she's asking, 
Why do you get to? I don't know. Just how it shows up. That's how that showed up. The other thing I could say is I never complain. <laughs> it's always about awareness. It's not about what shows up. I function in this, in this situation. When I'm sitting here in this environment, I function as a Dharma teacher. When I get up and go do something else, I'm not sure what's happening there. It's uh, mainly on receive. This doesn't mean I won't look at the TV and say, what the hell do they think they're doing on there? I won't yell at the TV or, or call Unya to come and come in here what these crazy people are saying. And then we look at it and think. So it's always about awareness, not about what you're doing. That's why you can't function. You can't act a certain way and have it be genuine. It feels phony. It feels like a stage. And then we realize that there isn't anything but a stage. Find the front row. Watch what happens. Yes. Michael Stoltz uh, asks, is there a yes. difference between observing a vow and taking refuge? So a refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, the triple refuge is to take refuge in the Buddha as someone who is sane, to take refuge in the, in the, in the Dharma as, as the truth that he taught. In other words, there isn't, anything, <laughs> there isn't anything else. It's empty of what you impute or think it is. At the same time, it's vividly clear. And, and, it's, and you do it. You see it. You see it. Whatever this is, you see that. So when you take refuge in that, you're, you're, you're turning your mind from the worldly pursuit of fame and fortune and money and, and anything that gets you some kind of pleasure, keeps you away from difficulty. You're taking refuge from that, which doesn't mean if it still shows up, you're not going to fight with it. But your attitude is one of refuge in the Buddha is the example, refuge in the Dharma is the truth, and refuge in the community or the Sangha as that community that will uh, that you can look to for um, for community and for company, but will not support your um, confusion, will not buy into your confusion. So you can't really lean on those like you can on friends who will look at your craziness, but they love you so much they'll support you anyway because they want you as, you know, you're going to support them. And so it's a mutual admiration deal. We're not true in the Sangha. That's why it's difficult. Sangha is difficult. Uh, I think Koban Chino Roshi, when he was asked, uh, what about the Sangha? He said, I think he said, and I have to paraphrase, Tokido could tell us about it. Uh, but I think he said garbage pit. <laughs> but I heard that. I thought <laughs> that's pretty accurate. Having been in the, the Shambhala and Vajradhatu Sangha for um, 20, 20 some years when I first heard that. Shoshi has another question. Yes. How does one take a position with Prajna? You can't do it. Can't take a position. If you're taking a position, it's not prajna. It might be a highly form, highly sophisticated form of intellect, but it's still circular because it's based on what a rotary logic. Logic is fat. We don't want to do it with logic. We, we're going to need logic. We're going to need reason, uh, thinking process. But it needs to be in the in the service of wisdom, or in the it needs to be uh, in the back seat. Uh, what the, that which drives the vehicle, if you want to call it a vehicle. Um, doesn't operate out of anything but uh, not separate. So it's not, there's no one there. If you were to look at a car full of the six sense heels, it wouldn't be anyone in the driver's seat, to use that metaphor, excuse me. So yes, taking a position with prajna. Prajna is, is positionless. It's the, it's the wisdom that sees between, it's the sword of Mandrushri, cuts through this, cuts through that. This and that, subjectivity and objectivity, uh, as a kind of positionality, are gone. That doesn't mean that everything that this 
isn't completely radiant and without a center, without a fringe. Are bright, yeah, bright red birds always cardinals? Well, usually here in Michigan. Okay. I think that was a cardinal. Anna Maria has a question. Anna Maria. It's two questions, actually. How is self-forgiveness different than recognizing violence toward oneself and practicing patience or kindness? Does it matter whether the softening occurs organically or deliberately? I think it very much uh, matters about that. So, again, going back to that, it's always about awareness, not about right and wrong. You may operate you may operate with some kind of self-forgiveness because of the tumult that has charged at you from the minute you hatched the crazy stuff that comes into you out of karma. You don't deserve anything. You don't get credit from anything. It's the thingness, the quality of somebody has been put upon. If you continue to go into that, if you go into it through trying to change it, that doesn't work. And if you go into it trying to let yourself off the hook, that doesn't work. But the, it's the awareness of that whole shebang that allows you to see the fundamental nature of the whole thing, which is not separate. When that happens, all of the all of the consternation, all of the difficulty, all of the, the passion, aggression, ignorance, the energy of that starts to bleed into the background as not being separate. So the energy is still there and it is completely available. This is called bodhicitta, relative bodhicitta. Uh, we work with that in different ways and uh, teach us seven points of mind training, of course, gives us all kinds of... Uh, a homework to do there. But ultimate bodhicitta is available now in your mind stream as you. There isn't anyone else but you. If you think there are others, I'm not saying <laughs> you aren't showing up as everything. Of course you are. But there isn't anything else but you. And that that doesn't take away the negativity that may be arising from you that you would like to forgive. Don't forgive it. That The very nature of that is compassion. And don't also don't misunderstand. I'm not playing down the intensity of your particular feeling or anyone's emotional situation who has been abused or someone who has intense uh, has done some intense uh, uh, gone in intensely negative situations where they feel like they need to forgive themselves. I would say go ahead and do that. If that shows up, then do that. But don't, don't do anything more on top of that. Like I'm glad I did that, or I should have done that, or I'm that really worked well for me. Don't turn it into a uh, the book jacket. Good question. Robert uh, from Kalamazoo asks, can there be addiction without complaint or without complaining? Sure. Okay. There can be addictions. You might have an addiction uh, in your mind stream, uh, in your physical situation that's going on. It could be anything from, uh, it could be anything, any playing tennis. Could be you could have a thing where you just have to do that. You're you're kind of addicted. Other things come up and you say, you know, I really need to go get on the court. I really need to do that. It could be to running. It's not really a complaint, so it's it's not seen as as a problem. And you know, I don't think it is a problem. I don't think it's a problem to have that. You're in a human form. The causes and conditions that arise as these hands and fingers, in this particular tone of voice, and this particular presence of a of a person. Uh, is an addiction. We're addicted to being this human being, but nothing lasts except, of course, what hasn't begun. And what hasn't begun, the fundamental nature of reality is uh, unborn and unceasing. Classical example, example of that is with a nature like the sky. Even that's saying too much, but we need to do something so that people can reflect on that a little bit, as I was doing 
100 years ago. Kiyun has another question. Kiyun, he asks, good to hear from you, Kiyun. Is the teacher the student's reference point? For, for a while. Yeah, you need a, you need a teacher, as Trungpa Rinpoche said, my first teacher. You need the teacher so you can leave the teacher. So first you actually have to give it to the teacher. I'm here. Train me. That's basically what I did with uh, with uh, Trungpa Rinpoche. And I tried to do with Coben, but I was so full of myself and so delighted with how enlightened I was that I, I couldn't see that... Uh, I couldn't see who was in front of me. I, I, I had had an idea who was there, but I didn't I just was too, uh, too happy with my accomplishments, having spent lots, lots and lots of time practicing awareness practice and tantric practices. Uh, Greg asks, Yes. Can't the first thought be coming from preconceived ideas, hope and fear? Doesn't matter. Anytime. <laughs> Anytime you first thought, the first thought that comes up is just a, a way of talking about it so that you have a little bit more immediacy with what's happening. And I would have to say, yeah, of course it could be. You could do that for years, uh, or for days or weeks or whatever length of time. It would be different. The causes and conditions that arise as you look at your, look at your first finger. Where did that come from? Where did it come from? We have no idea how, how this all arose, but here we are. It's odd, kind of. But yes, but the, but the practice is first thought, not not the there's ground path and fruition. The ground is suffering. The path is Shila Samadhi and Prajna or sit down, shut up and look at it. And the fruition is see the truth or be the truth or nothing else or there isn't anything to do. Falling apart, falling apart, falling apart. No one, nothing to do. Isn't anything else. There's just this. And it is uh, brilliant. And it doesn't it isn't a happy, good feeling, and it isn't a sad, terrible feeling. Although those may arise, but they don't interfere with the basic understanding, which is not separate. Sheldon has another question. Yes. He says, Sheldon. when we are observing current events in the news and the events are irritating, when it appears we are being constantly lied to, it happens day after day. Is it possible to complain once in this situation? Well, I usually complain to it three times. But as I said, I can complain all I want. And there again, take this a little further. It's not about obeying me or just complaining once or living up to that. I'm saying you could consider that. And then you might have to watch the way you continue to complain. But you'll always come back to that, perhaps, if you're a student of mine, which I think you are, you would always come back to that, just uh, to the difference between that first complaint and the, the next 15. And a lot of times it's, you know, it's a, uh, quite often, it's just situations that are just difficult and destructive. And to see people being so abused, I mean, just not only individuals, but whole races of people and all of the chaos. But, you know, it's dependently arisen. And you are not separate from anything that's happening. You're the blame. You are to blame for everything. And you get credit for everything is a way of saying not separate, dependent origination. If you see it, it will not be a conclusion. You don't have to conclude something that's right in front of you. It's there. And if you see it everywhere you look, if it shows up in every item, anything you look at, you notice the water didn't fall out of that offering bowl. Ordinary magic. William Murray has a question. Yes, William Murray. When only receiving, what is the need to complain? Well, there may not be. If you're just receiving everything, then there probably isn't going to be a complaint. But if you if you start to show up as a, as a, as a person who only receives... 
then there's a there's a thin patina or maybe thick one or maybe that maybe it's a barnacles uh, of pride that are on top of that that will keep you going the rest of your life as some kind of superior person uh, much better than you used to be it's like when somebody uh, a while back uh, listened to me give a dharma talk somebody i've known for many many years uh, i said nothing's at nothing changed uh, and and they said ha or something like that because they thought they saw something different and yeah there's been changes but there, but nothing fundamentally has changed so things have have happened but nothing fundamentally there's no conclusion about anything with, with this person so you may have complaints you may not but it's not the it, it's it's not when i say it won't matter or you don't care it's it's because there's no solid being anymore who's taking a position on anything unless there is and when that shows even that's unreal so you don't mind you don't get rid of your ego because it's unreal so your ego might come and sit on your lap and hang out with you and whisper in your ear and say, you probably ought to say, you probably ought to do this. Maybe you should do so, but you don't mind. You're not trying to get rid of something that is a part of a stage play. His follow-up question is, yes. if there is only me, who am I? Not separate. You're not separate from, from here. You're not separate from there. From your enemy, from your friend, from you're not separated. Separated, yes, like the fingers are separated, but it's a hand. It's it's manifestation. Um, Michael Stoltz has a follow-up question. Is taking refuge different from observing a vow? So you can you can uh, observe a vow that you took yourself that you didn't do with a preceptor or teacher. I have nothing against that. You can do whatever you need to use, whatever support you need. It's an odd thing because here I'm kind of a, this kind of situation, kind of a hybrid. Had a, had a start out in Zen with Kadiguri Roshi in uh, Minneapolis, uh, and then began to practice uh, very intensely with uh, Trungpa Rinpoche in 1974 at the first session of Naropa Institute. And even before then, I was sitting a lot. And so I think it's, it's variable with each person. Uh, you could you could just uh, every morning if you got up say I take refuge in the Buddha, take refuge in the Dharma, take refuge in the Sangha, and did three prostrations or nine prostrations, and then chanted the sutras and never firmly received a, a precepts or or went through a naming ceremony and so on or went through any of those situations. I have no idea. I just know I couldn't do that. I tried not to do it. I thought it was too fancy to become ordained. I couldn't help. It. I had to had to do that. And basically, because of Coleman, he showed me that I—I <laughs> I didn't think I didn't see as clearly as I thought I could see. Very embarrassing. Tokido remembers that. Yes. Um, Robert Walker has a follow-up question. Uh, it's the opposite of his previous one. Can there be complaint without addiction? Well, I think any. If I'm, I'm trying to gauge the area uh, of the other question. I think anything is possible. Of course. It, we can have those kind of, can we have this without that or this without I think anything is possible. And, and I'm not sure. So who asked the question? Uh, Robert Walker. Ask me that one more time and I'll address specifically to Robert. Can there be complaint without addiction? Yes. Tanya asks, it seems easier to feel compassion towards animals than to other fellow human beings. And in parentheses, uh, they have billionaires. What is compassion? How do we cultivate compassion? You can't really cultivate it, although it's taught everywhere as uh, cultivating it. 
Uh, and compassion is not a feeling. Feeling is, you can have sympathy for animals, sympathy for people. Uh, true compassion doesn't separate anyone from anything. So you wouldn't be separating uh, the poor little animal uh, and uh, separating into the billionaire who's abusing people and, and indulging. Nothing lasts. And the one who's a billionaire is just at the top of the Ferris wheel. If you can't see that, then and the way, one, one of the ways that shows up is not being able to see that is to think there are separate beings, some who are better than others. Um, and to think that we are somehow uh, different from uh, animals. That we're, that, that this is why the, the, the injunction or whatever, not to kill. But that doesn't mean the idea is not to kill, is to observe that vow, not to kill. You're going to have to kill. If you're alive, you're going to kill something. And what you kill should be up to you, up to you, not a society, not a spiritual path, not a religion. It's, this is your body-mind complex. should be up to you. I'm not saying you can't get help, but following some kind of rule based on ancient times, including the one with compassion and developing a relative bodhicitta, ultimate bodhicitta, there's bodhicitta, there's all kinds of ideas in there about that. We're in a different time. We're in a time where I'm sitting in a building, uh, with Uno, where we we're connected through an amazing network of of um, a web, the World Wide Web. It's just astonishing. There's people watching this that are ten miles away, and there are people watching this who are uh, like Mayun, who's in France, long ways away. And yet, here we are. Amazing, amazing, and we have access to so much material. It's just an astonishing situation. But the feeling or the sentiment around animals or around billionaires or lack of sentiment, uh, look closely at that because actual compassion is not, a, not an emotion. It's not a feeling. Kiyun mm-hmm. um, asks, what is a complaint when we get our own authority? So the way I say, um, the way I talk about authority is there isn't any. There isn't any authority. It would be the best way. We might need some kind of a helper person or a guide or someone who understands more or a, a medicine woman, we might need someone who, who's been around a while, who sees more deeply into this. And that can't come out of some kind of politics of experience. It has to come out of, of a direct connection with each other. And that direction connection, uh, direct connection with each other can't happen if there's a lot of military kind of things happening, warfare and right and wrong and the uh, philosophies. It's, So what what was that question again? I think I missed part of it. What is a complaint when we get our own authority? Yeah, so uh, I think uh, there's something to that, but uh, it it will continue to transition into into there really isn't any solid center or no authority or anything. We refer to things in order to help each other. So we refer refer to the teachings of the Buddha, the uh, Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path, the Twelve Links on the Chain of Existence, the six realms, the three realms, the ten boomies, reference points that help us that we observe those, as Coben told me so many years ago, very specifically in a very rough voice. Thomas asks, how can frequent complaining between two people be stopped? Well, if you're one of the people, then... uh, uh, I have one answer, and if, if you're seeing two other people uh, complaining to each other, that's probably none of your business unless you're their father or something. 
But if it's you, if it's with you and someone else, just uh, don't try to stop the complaining. Just be aware of the complaining and take it to the wall, wall, wall gazing. Sit down, hold still. I'm just saying, sit down, hold still, and watch the continued movement. This is basically my way of teaching shikantaza, just precisely this. If you're sitting there not doing anything, then what else? What else is it? But just precisely this. It could be just just precisely this thought about how much I complain. Uh, which is uh, awareness practice, aware of what's happening, or it might be uh, lots of uh, ruminations about how to stop complaining, how to cut into it. Uh, I think a lot of sitting practice. And when I'm saying a lot, I'm not talking about an hour a day. It needs to be some very, very dense retreat practice. You can do that on your own. It's what I call block sitting. Sit down, determine a time, strike the bell, sit there for four hours. At the end of the four hours, get up, go to something else. And what you do in that four hours may be sitting the whole time. That's the intention. But if your body mind uh, says to you after 45 minutes, time to go to the bathroom, go. No second thoughts about it. Just go. Come back. And if after an hour and a half, you want to have a sandwich or something, something to eat, something to drink, go get that. Go look out the window. Hang out with yourself. Make that four hours all about on receive. And Production, like going to the bathroom or getting something to eat, that production that comes out of the awareness, not a thought process that is nurturing your appetite. Quite a bit different. Might take a while to do that. I think Very good. we may have addressed everyone's questions. Very good. And Chisho uh, says thank you, Sokuzan. Thank you. Thank you for everything you do. We can dedicate the merit. Good idea. You all get to go block set now. May the merit of this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being, being together can realize the Buddha's way. Chi ho san chi shi fu. The ten directions, the three worlds, all Buddhas, all venerable ones, Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the great Prajna Paramita. O Buddhas and Bodhisattvas of the Ten Directions and the Three Times, please hear us. Please come down out of the light and protect Soka Koji Buddhist Temple Monastery, our Sangha family's friends and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering, and fill them with light.